Well, today we are continuing a sermon series. It's called I Shall Not Want. I bet you can't guess what it's about. <laughs> Psalm 23. At some point, there we go. Uh, this is the uh, new logo I'm proposing for WordServe Church. Not. Anyway, here's where we've been and where we're going. Uh, we talked about the shepherd last week. And th this is my, my precursor to this whole sermon series, right? You hear, oh, Psalm 23. I know that one, Bill. You know, I've heard it a million times. Yeah, but... Have you stopped to really digest it? Has it become so familiar that we just kind of breeze by it and we don't really pick apart the meaning? Because this is rich. And the Psalm, the, the 23rd Psalm is one of the most comforting Psalms. I think everybody would agree. It brings a lot of comfort. It's read all the time at funerals. I can't remember a funeral where that hasn't been quoted. It's a Psalm of comfort. And, and that's what we're actually gonna talk about today. But before we get onto that, just a reminder that anyone that you wanna see in the past, you can find at wordserve.org slash sermons. You can find it on our YouTube. You can find it on our Facebook. So if you've missed, no problem. Just go back and catch up and you'll be right in step with the rest of us. Today, we're talking about the restorer. Soon we'll talk about the protector and then the promise. So I mentioned that Psalm 23 is one of the most comforting Psalms that we know. but is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And here's what I mean. I, I kind of think that comfort is king. And, and here's why I say this. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But comfort is king. If you look over in the past 100 years, uh, I don't think anybody's been alive that long, but almost. So, you know, the past 100 years, we've had things develop like cars. So think about how easy, how comfortable transportation has become. You don't have to go out in the cold of the night and worry about whether your transportation is fed and watered and, and stall cleaned and and all that stuff. You just take it to the mechanic, drop it off, and say, hey, give me an oil change. And oh, by the way, when you sit in that car, that's plush. They make cars so soundproof now that you can actually miss things going out on the road. They brag about that. Your self-contained environment. Ah, oh, man, I just kind of want to sit there for a while and kick back, you know, the heated seat. Anybody got one of those? Yeah. I didn't know that there was a button for that when I got the, the truck that I, I bought. That was on for like a month. I was like, man, why? Technology's not always my friend. That's all I'm saying. But <laughs> think about the other things. We're sitting here in the middle of summer almost. Well, it's summer elsewhere, but it's almost summer here. Anybody worried about how hot you are? No, because air conditioning is making us comfortable, right? Think about all the other comforts that we enjoy. You want to know something? Pull out your phone. Hey, Siri. And you got an instant answer. Now, I, don't, I can't guarantee that's the right answer, <laughs> so be careful. But we got screens. We got air conditioning. We've got ready-made meals. We've got all these things designed to make our lives comfortable. But here's the thing. As a Jesus follower, do you find following Jesus to be comfortable? Because I don't. Here, here's, here's how I feel a lot of times. I look out in the world. I watch the news. I see what's going on. And it's just a giant head slap. I'm like, how can this be comfortable? This, this following Jesus thing, and this is where I was as a new believer, my life should be comfortable. If I follow Jesus, I should have no anxiety. I should have ultimate peace. I should not have any problems. And then I read the rest of the Bible where it says, you will have trouble. Uh, they will hate you. There will be problems because this is a fallen world that we live in. That's the whole point. If, if we didn't have the message of good news, if we didn't need that for a broken world, then our message would be meaningless. But as I think about this, there is a message that we carry, that we are entrusted to carry, to a world that desperately needs to hear it. 
So how do we be comfortable in that? Well, we're going to look at verses 2 through 4 of Psalm 23 today. If you're playing the home game, you want to follow that in your scripture, your phone, or whatever. And we're going to find where comfort comes from today. This is our quest. Where does comfort come from? All right, let's start with this. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, doesn't that bring you peace? You just kind of sit there in that pasture, settle into the green grass, the sun shining down, rainbows, unicorns right over the next hill. Is this appealing to anyone else? Especially if you're that guy or gal. I don't know. Can't tell. But anyway, that's kind of a nice, peaceful picture, and that's what we envision. But I'm reading this book. Thank you, Gail, for putting this in my head because I can't stop reading it. It's A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. Has anybody read this book? Uh, one, Gail, right? <laughs> she heard the sermon last week and says, hey, have you ever read this book? I was like, no, I never heard of it. Went out and bought it. I was like, man, this is good stuff because it's a shepherd writing the book. This guy was a no kidding, real life shepherd. And he writes about how Psalm 23 relates to shepherding. And so I'm learning some fascinating things. In fact, I, I hope you're prepared to be here all day because I have all this cool stuff I want to share. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't run out on me. But I do want to share a couple of things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Did you know, and I mentioned this last week, sheep are not the brightest of the herd animals. And sometimes you have to make them lie down. Like they're, they're too dumb to realize that hey, you need some rest. So the shepherd has to sometimes corral or enforce them to create a space where they will lay down. Sometimes life does this to us as well, does it not? Have you ever burned the candle at both ends so long that you became ill or sick? Have you ever been going, 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 and suddenly you've got nothing left and you are just got to lay out on the couch for a while? See, we're designed that way, too. Sometimes he makes us lie down, right? Oh, whoops. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he makes us lie down. And sometimes it's pleasant and restful, and sometimes it's not. It, it, on the more serious note, it can result in some health concerns. Sometimes our driven lifestyle, our constant 24-7 drives us to illness, and we end up in the hospital or under a doctor's care. We end up with conditions that we weren't ever meant to have, but it slows us down. It makes us lie. Now, where you lie is up to you. As a Jesus follower, I can lie in green pastures because I know he has a promise. He has something for me. But here's the other thing I learned about shepherding and sheep. If you look at most of the examples in the Bible of where they sheep herded, <laughs> it's not green pastures. It's arid, desolate land. So how are you going to find a green pasture in the middle of the desert? Well, ironically, the, the shepherds oftentimes would create areas of green pastures. They would you know, purposefully manage the land to create those green pastures, and they would share that with other shepherds so that they never overgrazed or, or did anything that would ruin the green pasture. And they were few and far between, so it was very important to take care of them. So what my point is here is that there are green pastures that are made by the shepherd for the sheep. What's the spiritual lesson here? There are green pastures, Christians, for us, made by the great shepherd. And there we will find things like peace and joy 
and patience and kindness, self-control and gentleness. But we have to be careful where we choose to graze because there are other pastures that look green, but they're really not. They look appealing. They look appetizing. They taste delicious at first until you ingest them in our system and we realize that it wasn't a green pasture. It was poisonous and it's working from the inside out. So we have to be careful about the green pastures that we choose to lie in. We have to recognize that there is a green pasture made for us by the great shepherd. Now, how many people have heard the, te- uh, the term cast sheep? No one. Good. It's not just me. I didn't know about this until I read Philip Keller. Here's the thing. You know, in Scripture, when uh, David, uh, also the author of this psalm, says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Anybody heard that one before? It's, it's in the Psalms. You can look it up. Why are you downcast, O my soul? What he's talking about is this idea, because David was a shepherd, a cast sheep is one that has fallen over, just like the old commercial, I've fallen over and I can't get up. This is no joke. That sheep cannot get up. Now, you think, oh, that's pretty funny. Well, it's not funny if the sheep can't get up, because literally they will die unless the shepherd comes and turns them back upright. I'm not joking. This is Philip Kettler talking because he's had this happen. They fall over. They can't get up because they ruminate. That's, that's the way sheep digest. The gases expand. They cause pressure. They cause the legs to fall asleep. And eventually, they cannot get back up, and they will die there unless the shepherd comes and sets them upright. It's amazing, is it not? Now, you may be asking, so how is it that a sheep gets into that position? Because they're dumb. Have I mentioned that before? (laughs) No, here's what happens. There there are really two main causes, according to Philip Keller, why sheep end up in this this situation. It's either because they have so much wool and and that weight kind of carries them and and they kind of get stuck, or they're so fat because they've been grazing in that green pasture for so long that as they settle into that little hollow, you know, when when the sun is beating down on you and that earth just feels so cool, and all it takes is that one little tip, oh, no, weebles wobble, but they do fall down, right? And I can't get back up. I've fallen and I can't get up. That's where that commercial comes from. Yeah. So, and, and there they will die unless the shepherd comes and puts them on their feet again. What's the spiritual point here? Folks, I think that sometimes we can be weighed down so heavy by the world. So we, we carry all this weight, we carry all this guilt, all this shame, whatever it is that we're carrying, that we, too, can be tipped and cast. And it's almost impossible to get out of. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you've known someone that has struggled with this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they can't get on their feet again. They can't get back on their spiritual feet because they are so weighed down by the cares of this world. But is that the pasture that our shepherd has created for us? Absolutely not. That's why there's things like forgiveness. That's why there's things like gratitude. That's why there's all these pieces of good news that are in this field for us. But here's the the other one, and I think this is the main problem in the church in North America today. Of course, I'm not talking about words here, but, you know, we're fat. And by that, I mean we have everything that we need, and we take it in, and we settle in, and we are all about the comfortable I guarantee you if I shut down the AC this morning, I would hear about it. Right? Not great message, you changed my life, like, man, it was too hot. Right? Because it's just foremost on our mind. I'm not, I would say the same thing. 
but we're fat. We have everything we need. We don't need anything. If we need it, we'll go buy it. 24-7, by the way. You know what really uh, made me angry the other day is I ordered something from Amazon, and it took two days to get to me. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, pick up your game, Amazon. Right? I mean, this is where we're at. We are fat, and, and we are fat spiritually. And here's what I mean, not in a good way. Why would I need a Savior when I have everything I need? Why would I have a Savior when I can go buy whatever I, whatever I need? You hungry? Go to the grocery store. Did you know that chicken comes in packages? You don't have to catch it, behead it, pluck it, cook it. It just comes in a package. No, it doesn't. It, actually, there's more to it, right? But in our spiritual lives, that's where we are. We are satiated. We are kind of fat, but we're not fat on the right things. And so it's very easy for us to settle in and get comfortable and reach that tipping point. Oh, there we go. We're cast down. And what does it take to get us back on our feet? It takes the good shepherd spiritually. See, the, the, the analogies that we're running back and forth is between their sheep and there's people. There's the shepherd and there's the good shepherd. And so when we combine these two, we get the sheeple. <laughs> okay, work with me. <laughs> anyway. So here's what that good shepherd does. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along for the right path for his name's sake. Philip Keller in his book tells us a story often. He would frequently count his sheep. You've heard this parable. I would leave the 99 to find the one. Guess what the one is that he's looking for? That knucklehead. <laughs> That's the one he's looking for. Because if you don't count your sheep... There's a chance that there's one that's cast down. He says, it happens more often than you would think. And so he would count every time. He would search the skies in case there were any buzzards circling. That's a pretty good indicator someone's in trouble, and he would go to that place. And it didn't matter what time of day. It didn't matter what the weather was. It didn't matter how he felt. It didn't matter if he was hungry, tired, sick. He would go to find that sheep because literally it was life and death. And I think Jesus does the same thing. But it's far more grave for us than it is for sheep. You say, Bill, what could be far more grave than life itself? Eternal life. Because he's not just setting us back on our feet physically. He's refreshing our soul. He's setting us back on our spiritual feet. He's setting us back on our spiritual feet so that we can walk on the path that he guides us on. The right path. Because I tell you, it's a whole lot easier, especially for a shepherd, to have a sheep walk on the correct path than to wander off the path and get cast. It's far better for that sheep to walk along the right path because you're going in a direction that the shepherd knows is good for you. A lot of times sheep are also uh, notorious for grazing on stuff that is actually bad for them. I know this is hard to believe, Right? It's like, you know, you walk right past the broccoli and you go to the Doritos. That, I mean, we would never do that, right? We'll have a session on honesty next week, right? <laughs> but, yeah, so we're guiding along the right path for his name's sake because he doesn't want all this to happen to us, but he guides. He doesn't make. He could, he could force us along the right path. He could shut down every other door. He could cause us to walk one straight and narrow line, but he doesn't do that. Now, why is that? I think it's because he wants us to follow him. He doesn't want to make us follow him. 
the difference there is one is it's strictly obedience. It's a heavy load that I carry, and I must, by my will, follow the rules. Does that work for anybody else? It doesn't work for me. My will's not that good. But Bill, you're a pastor. I know, right? You would think, my will is not that strong, but my love can be that strong. Yeah, I occasionally drop off the Dorito aisle, but I always come back because he calls me through that love to walk on the path, the right path, that he guides me along. And if I will take the time to listen, I can find my way back. And if I can find my way back to the path, good things will happen. I'm not necessarily talking the prosperity gospel here. I'm not talking like if I get on the path, I'm going to have a, a giant mansion and a four camel garage and all these things. That's not what it is. It's what I need. And we talked about that last week, if you want to catch up on what that means. It's not necessarily what I want, but it is what I need. And frankly, it's what this world needs. This world needs sheep of the great shepherd who have a great message to share. This world needs sheep who are walking on the right paths, guided by him and his wisdom. More than ever, I think in my lifetime, more than ever. It's kind of scary. So he restores our soul and helps us to walk along those right paths. It's just a whole lot easier when you listen to Jesus to begin with. And if you're a parent, you know this, right? It, it always starts those conversations with your kids like, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Could you not see that that was a bad idea? No, not, not if you don't have that enough life experience. But you know who does have experience and gives great guidance? The great shepherd. So why, do we, why are we so insistent on ignoring him? I don't know. Uh, when I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> but here's the rest of it, and, and, and here's the great irony. You notice that we've read, uh, we're going to have read through four verses of the most comforting, peaceful psalm that has ever been written. And we have yet to find out what comfort is. Well, now we find out what comfort is. Check it out. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's comfort. Now, let's put this in context for just a second, because I thought comfort was laying in that green pasture. I thought comfort was lying beside that still water. Now, comfort is his rod and his staff, which symbolize protection and obedience. So wait a minute. Comfort comes from protection and obedience? Yeah. Yeah, see, that, and I'm convinced that's why we've been missing it. I'm convinced that's why we're so fat and happy and, and, and sometimes cast, because we seek comfort by just parking it. I'm good spiritually, man, I am good. I'm just going to graze on this green pasture. I'm going to get fat, and oh, there I go. The problem is I've lost my accountability to my Savior. Because every good shepherd knows if you stay in a pasture long enough and you overgraze it, it will not be a healthy pasture anymore. And the shepherd knows this. Before it goes that far gone, he's up and moving that flock. And sometimes the best way that they get to that beautiful mountaintop pasture is through the valley. And he's going to guide the sheep there not because he wants to test, not because he wants to try, not because he wants to tempt and see how strong you are, but because he knows that through the valley, you will find the very best. 
again, Philip Keller does a, a wonderful job in illustrating this because you think, well, why would you, why God, if you're the great shepherd, why would you walk me through a valley? Well, think about it. Especially in David's time, that arid land where there were some hills and all that kind of thing. If you're in a valley and you're journeying, there are two great benefits if you're driving a herd of sheep. Because where does water run? Always to the path of least resistance. It's always going to be in the valley. And so if you need to travel for any distance, travel through the valley and you'll always have water. Now, what else comes along with water? Vegetation. If you're traveling with sheep and they need water, they're also going to need to eat. Where does this, the food grow that they can eat? Where the water is. Where's the water? In the valley. See, it's not that the shepherd is trying to test you. It's that the shepherd is trying to care for you. He drives us through the valley because he knows that's the best way to get us to where he needs us to be. And honestly, let me ask you, of the greatest life lessons that you have learned, have you learned them on the mountaintop or have you learned them in the valley? I can't speak for you, but for me, <laughs> the greatest lessons I've learned are always in the valley, at the low points. That's where I see God. Now, why through, okay, so the valley makes sense. But why through the shadowy valley? Why through the dark valley? Why does it have to be scary? In some of your translations, it'll say the valley of the shadow of death. Well, sign me up. I want to be on that hike. Nobody wants that. But here's the thing. If we know, if the shepherd knows that going through the valley is going to feed us and care for us and water us, who else knows that? God knows that. But who else? Somebody else knows it. The enemy, the predator. Because if, if my whole existence is designed to destroy you and you're a sheep, where am I going to wait for you? Where the water and the food is. I don't have time to track you down. I mean, you're, you're busy people, right? You've you got things to do. I'm not going to chase you all over. I'm going to wait at your watering hole, and you're going to come to me. Scripture is rife with that. He waits like a roaring lion, waiting to pounce on you waiting to devour. Satan is not very uh, original, but he's very clever. He's very efficient. And so when we come up this valley, it's shadowy because there are things there that would des are designed to take us, literally <laughs> take us out. Satan knows this. The last thing Satan wants is for us to trust in that rod and that staff. The last thing that Satan wants is for us to be obedient to the God who calls us and to walk that path because Satan knows that as we walk that path, we're spreading good news, we're planting seed, we're glorifying God, and that's the last thing that he wants. And that's why the, the valley is shadowy. So what is it that's causing us to not follow? Is it fear? It might be for you, but look at what he says right here. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. The safest place to be isn't the most comfortable place that we make. The safest place to be is in the heart of God's will, in his presence, walking step by step with him. That's the safest place to be. That's the place where there is no fear. That's the place that we should be. As you look at this idea of comfort... I didn't make this up. I actually read this, uh, and I would cite the article, but I can't remember. <laughs> it wasn't Philip Keller. But anyway, 
So here's what comfort can do to us, actually. It can steal your motivation. Did you know that when you're super comfortable, your motivation drops? Why should I work hard? I got everything I need. Did you know that it can kill your joy? Because you have expectations of comfort. And when God nudges you up out of that comfortable zone and causes you to walk that path through that valley of the shadow of death, you're not happy about it. Or at least I'm not. I don't know about you. It steals my joy. Did you know it can literally... Comfort can destroy you and those around you. Comfort oftentimes is a means of escape. And that means of escape can, in, in the worst of terms, cause addictions. And the addiction might be alcohol. It might be drugs. It might be screens. I think people try to escape the realities of this life because they're disappointed or they're apathetic or they just don't have any motivation. But these addictions literally will destroy us. They will cast us into a place where we cannot get back on our feet ourselves. So as I look at comfort and I see steal, kill, and destroy, who does that remind you of? The thief who comes in the night to steal, kill, and destroy. Comfort is not my friend. Not that comfort. And here's what I would say. Comfort is found in following, not in wallowing. What I mean by that is comfort is found in following the great shepherd, but we tend to wallow where it's comfortable. We tend to wallow sometimes in self-pity. We tend to wallow in our own little world, absorbed in our screen, trying to escape the realities of this world. That's not where we're going to find comfort as Jesus followers. We're going to find comfort in following. So here's the single thing I would love for you to do today and, and reflect on this week. Ask this and answer this question for you. What is it that keeps you from following Jesus? Maybe it's fear. I, we already talked about that one. Maybe it's apathy. I just kind of don't care anymore. I'm over that whole Jesus thing. Really? Have you read what he's done for us? I mean, really read what he's done for us? the sacrifices that he made so that he would create that green pasture in those still waters? How can you read that story honestly and not care? I know that's maybe a, a whole other prayer request. I love God with all your heart, mind, and soul so that we can love neighbor as ourselves. Maybe it's, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. It's a limited time thing, folks. We can't stay parked. We're not designed to be parked as Jesus followers. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be Jesus observers because we can just sit and watch the show. But we're Jesus followers. He calls us to get up out and move. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. In fact, a lot of times it's uncomfortable. But that's where we find comfort. It's complicated, but not really. What is it that keeps you from following Jesus? That is the question of the day. And here's what you do. When you find the answer to what it is that keeps you from following Jesus, compare it to this scripture. This is where Jesus answers his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. There's that darn follow thing again. <laughs> I can't just park it. In the context of what Jesus is talking about here, what has just happened before this is the point where Peter, you know, he, he tells the disciples, hey, I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be crucified, uh, and dead and buried. And Peter, the old Peter who, you know, is so shy, never speaks his mind, stands up and says, that will never happen to you. And what is Jesus' response in that case? 
You get behind me, Satan. You're thinking about things of men, not things of God. When I reflect on when I tend to park or when I start to get cast, I'm thinking about things of men, not things of God. And in thinking about things of God, it gives us the motivation to get up, get on the right path, get moving, and actually follow Jesus. Jesus was about to walk a path, the right path, the path that he was guided on by his father. And that path was called the Via Dolorosa. <laughs> that path was a path of suffering. It walked up a hill to Calvary. It resulted in his terrible death. That was the right path. You think, oh, God must hate him. No. <laughs> Actually, God loves us that much. Jesus had a choice in that as well. And, and he chose. Again, he was guided by his father. Is there any way this can pass for me? No. All right, then. Let's do this. That's the bill translation. <laughs> And he did it of his own free will. He could have gotten away from that, but he didn't. He walked that path, that right path, so that we would have this freedom to follow, so that we would have green pastures and still water, so that we could go where he calls us and not be left behind where this world has placed us. Is that not powerful? Pick up your cross and follow me. Here's what I've become convinced of. Comfort is not king. Comfort is killer. But I've got good news for us, Lord, sir. We serve a great shepherd who calls us to follow, who will lead us where we need to go, not maybe where you want to go, but where we need to go, who will make us lie down in green pastures beside still waters, and that no matter where we go, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear anything. He will guide us. And he will protect us because here's what I've learned. Comfort is found in following, not in wallowing. Will you pray with me, please? And God, we thank you for the great shepherd. We thank you for the green pastures that you've made for the still waters that you have created. And God, we pray that we would not be so content with where we are and, and so desperately in need of our own comfort that we would be those who lay either too fat or, or too heavy with the world's burdens and become cast. God, we pray that you would remind us and pick us back up and dust us off, put us on our spiritual feet so that we can walk those paths. Remind us, God, that the path that you lay before us and you call us to is not so that we can have our fun killed, but so that we can walk to that place that you've called us, where we can find the best things to graze on, where we can enjoy the fruit that you have prepared for us where we can experience your love and then share that love with everyone that we meet. And God, forgive us when we stray, when we tend to drink from pools that aren't clean and living water. Forgive us when we look across the field and, and say, well, that field over there looks greener than this one. I think I'll go over there of my own accord. And God, forgive us when we lead others astray in that process as well. God, my great hope is that you will never stop you are like that shepherd, always watching, scanning the horizon to see where your sheep are in trouble. And you are that shepherd that no matter when, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what time, that you will come and find that one, even if you have to leave the 99. God, in that I find great hope and great comfort. Thank you, God.
Thank you for the great shepherd. Give us ears to hear and feet to follow. In Jesus' name.